The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. If you'll turn to the fifth chapter, the fifth chapter of the book of Mark, and um, as you turn there, I want to tell you a little story. I want you to imagine in your mind um, an, an, old, an elderly man, an older man, uh, 75, 80, 80 years old, someone who's lived a long life, living in a little house of just common house, no, nothing elaborate, but living in a little home by the sea, not too far from the seashore. And, and this is a man who has a family, and he has children and grandchildren, and, and as grandfathers tend to do, uh, they, you know, are, uh, those of us that are fathers uh, kind of had to raise and discipline our children. Uh, but as I understand it, Brother Buddy, those who are grandfathers get to spoil their grandchildren. So I don't know if that's true or not yet, but, uh, but we'll see. But be that as it may, I can just see this, this older grandfatherly man who and his and his grand his grandchildren are there visiting with him, and he's about to put them in the bed. He's getting them in the bed, and they and and, and like grandfathers do, uh, uh, you know, they're they're telling they tell their grandchildren stories, and I can just hear you know, I can just hear the grandchildren saying, "Granddaddy, Granddaddy, will you tell us tell us a story? Granddaddy, tell us the pig story." Tell us the pig story. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you, do you have a pig story? Do you have a pig story? In chapter 5 of Mark, in verse 1, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him, and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. I want to preach to you this morning about the pig story. Now this man here sounds like a far cry from some loving grandfather who is trying to tuck in his grandchildren and telling them stories at bedtime. Think about the difference in this man and, and this other grandfather who is, who is so kind and is a good grandfather, has been a good father, and has raised a family. But here we see the picture of a man who is totally opposite of that. Now, what we're reading in chapter 5, you know, we've been in the book of Mark for some time, and we've kind of gone fast. We've taken it about a, a chapter at a time. But as you remember, last time, in our fifth message on the gospel of Mark, we slowed it way down, and we, we dealt with the first of four miracles that display the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we took it uh, uh, last time at the end of chapter 4. We, we read about the disciples who, who we know to be faithful 
servants of God, but who were fearful followers at that time. And they were, uh, in fact, Jesus said, said uh, where is your faith? How is it, in fact, he said, how is it you don't have any faith? <laughs> and, and, and you know the story there. He was asleep in the boat, and, and the, the storm, the great storm of wind came up, and he displayed his power over natural forces of this world, and he calmed the sea. He allayed their fears and he dismissed the storm. And now we're in, a, in the second of these four miracles that are here in chapters 4 and 5. And, and we're going to see here it, that this miracle that occurs involving this wild Gadarene man displays the power of the Lord Jesus Christ over even the demonic forces. He's, he's got power over the natural forces of this world, and he's got power over the demonic spiritual forces of this world. You know, Paul tells us we're not warring against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. There's a spirit world out there that if we could see it with our natural eyes would, would scare us to death, no doubt. <laughs> But, but, it's, but it didn't scare the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to see something here that he, he does that will display his power over that. Then we're going to see in the next two miracles how that he had power over physical diseases. And not only physical diseases, he had power over physical death as well. But here we see a man who is um, in a condition that is just horrible. Uh, you, you would call him a madman. That's what you would call him. I'm sure they called him the madman of Gadareus. In fact, I hear sometimes this man described as the, as the wild Gadarean or the mad Gadarean. He was a madman. And I want you to notice how unclean he was. How unclean he was. In verse 1, you notice that they went over to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. Now, this was an unclean region in that day. This was a place where, uh, uh, where primarily non-Jewish citizens lived. Uh, it was a city southeast of the southern shore of the Sea of Galilee. It was Greeks. Uh, well, most of them are Greek-speaking, but it was populated with Greeks and Syrians and all other kinds of, of ethnicities. And, uh, and you'll notice that... <laughs> The proof of that is that later on we're going to read about some swine herders. And if you know anything about the Jewish law, you would know that no good Jewish boy or man would ever engage in that kind of unclean occupation. Uh, that was the uncleanest of the unclean. In fact, when we read in the book of Luke about a prodigal son who ended up down feeding, uh, feeding husks to swine, one of the implications of that is that he had gone just about as far down as he could go because he was engaged in an unclean occupation. It's not a place that would have been frequented by the Orthodox Pharisee. They would not have been there. And in verse 2, we're told that he, had, he was a man with an unclean spirit. So he not only lived in an unclean region, but he had an unclean spirit. And, and the word unclean there, uh, it's, it's, it's marked by uh, a little prefix. Uh, in, in Greek, uh, if you want to, like, you know, if we want to say in, in English that something is, is good... Uh, then, you know, we just say it's good. But if we want to change that to the polar opposite, we say it's not good. See, that's the opposite of good is not good. 
In Greek, you would add a little prefix, the alpha, which is our equivalent to our letter A. You would add that alpha to the beginning of a word, and that would signify that whatever that word meant normally, it's the opposite now. And that word clean or purged is what that word meant. You put the little A prefix in front of it, and now it's unclean, unpurged. He had an unclean spirit. He was indwelled by a, a demonic force. A demon, and we're going to read a little bit about that demonic force in a minute. It, it was not just, uh, not just some slight problem on his part. He was inhabited and indwelt by legion. And it says in there, we are many. That's what that means. We are many. So he was, an unclean, he was living in an unclean region. He had an unclean spirit. And I want you to notice his residence. He, he was in an unclean residence. He had his dwelling, in verse 3, among the tombs. Now, we do a really uh, good job, I believe, as a church in keeping this cemetery out here clean. Uh, I know many of you, and I, probably all of us at times, have gone out there. We've, we've uh, cut the grass. We've weed-eated. We've cleaned up around there. Brother, Brother James and Brother Roger, they, they're sort of in charge of keeping the cemetery going. And, and we're, you know, we're taking care of it. You notice some of the, some of the changes we made to it. We've, we've added some land to it so that there'll be places for people to be buried. It's a pretty place. But I don't want to live there. <laughs> As pretty as those tombs are, I don't want to live in this, out here behind us in this cemetery. In fact, I don't know about you, but uh, I'm not a fearful person, you know, but I'm not, and I'm not a, uh, easily terrified or anything like that. But I'll tell you, I've been over here late at night, and I've walked out the back, and I've got to admit to you that my step got a little quicker getting to my car knowing that the cemetery's out there, you see, and it's dark back there. And i just be honest with you. You want to cause me to have a heart attack, hide in the cemetery at night when I'm coming out and jump out. I probably, you'll probably have to call Brother Glendon to come get me because uh, I, I know I, I trust the Lord. Don't get me wrong, I, but that's just not a place I want to live. But this man was dwelling there. He wasn't visiting. He was staying there, and, and he was living out in this place. He was, look how unclean he was, living in an unclean region of the country with an unclean spirit dwelling in, a, in an unclean residence. Tombs are for dead people. They're not for the living, but that's where he was. And I want you to look how unmanageable he was. He said, no man could bind him. No, not with chains. <laughs> And it goes on to describe for us that this wasn't just a passing effort. They had often tried to bind him with fetters and chains, and he was so supernaturally strong that he was able to break those chains in pieces. Now, I, I say supernaturally. I don't know if it was due to the demonic force or, or it was the fact of the adrenaline that must have been flowing in his, through his uh, system so much. You know, we see, we read of people, and I'm sure Brother Glendon, Brother Bob too, could probably tell us of situations where, where uh, people that are in high stress scenarios can lift a car or they can do things that they couldn't normally do, and that's the adrenaline rushing through their body. It causes them to be a little stronger. I don't know what the deal was here, but I'll tell you, this man was unmanageable. It said that they, he had often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. 
He, had, he, is not, he was unmanageable. You could not bind him. And they had tried. And notice how untamable he was. Neither could any man tame him. And the reference here is to a wild animal. It's the idea of domesticating a wild animal, taming that. that you know, we see there are, there are lion tamers in our uh, circuses today. They, uh, I don't know if they still let them do that or not, but there used to be at least. And there are, there are, are people who can tame the, the tigers. They can tame the lions. You can domesticate a dog, but you could not tame this wild man. He was untamable. And I want you to notice how unapproachable he was. They didn't even have, nobody really had, a, had an inroad to ministry for him. You know, I always pray that the Lord, if, if I know of a problem or an issue in the, with somebody out there in our community, and I, I say, Lord, give me an inroad. Give me an opening to minister to this person. Because sometimes I have that opening. Sometimes I don't. And you know, the Lord sometimes will open a door that, we, that I can be able to go and talk to this person. But notice how unapproachable this man was. There, there wasn't any preacher that was going to get to him. And always, always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs. He was, he was out there in places nobody wants to go. If, if, if a preacher was going to try to get to this man, he'd have to climb the mountain. He'd have to camp out in, the, in among the tombs. He'd have to get into a place that he didn't want to go. Think about the man's family. Think about the mom and daddy of this, this wild Gadarean man. If they wanted to visit him, if they wanted to go see their son, their, their brother, their uncle, if they wanted to go, they would have to go out to places nobody wants to go. <clears throat> and then I want you to notice something else. I want you to notice how unhappy he was. It says he was always in the mountains and in the tombs. Listen, crying and cutting himself with stones. Crying and cutting himself with stones. You don't cry and cut yourself when you're happy. I've dealt with some people through the years that have struggled with abuse and situations where they were uh, had so many deep emotional issues that, and they would cut themselves. That was a that's a syndrome. That's a problem out there that some have. And and let me tell you, the people that are doing that are not doing it because they're happy. They're not happy. This man was unhappy. This man was crying out. Now now again, think. I want you to think about his his mama and his daddy. I don't know if they were living or not but other family, or even just friends, what do you think they thought was going to be the outcome of this sad situation? Put it in modern terms and think about the demons that are out there, the demon of drugs, the demon of alcohol, the demon of other kinds of addiction, the demon of, of mental illness, we would call it today, or, or some other kind of issues like that. What, you know, from a worldly standpoint, there was not much hope for this family. They had tried everything. They had, they had taken ropes and bound him. They had tried to tie him down with chains. 
I'm sure they had tried to talk with him. I, I don't read this year, but you know they didn't just go up to him and their first effort was to bind him with chains. Logic would dictate that they first tried to talk to him, son, come home. Son, stop living out here like this. Son, change this. Come back and be with us. We will help you. We'll put you in therapy. <laughs> but therapy hadn't worked. We'll buy you a, a new house, but money had not worked. Uh, we're going to lock you up if you don't stop, but threats didn't work. We're gonna, we'll give you a, a whole place to yourself, but bribes had not worked. Nothing had worked for this family. There is no doubt in my mind they were hopeless if they were even still living. I know of a situation or two where a man who reminds me so much of this wild Gadarean man drove his mama and his daddy to their grave. I know of situations like that. Hopeless. No help from a worldly standpoint. How do you, let me ask you something. How do you think he thought it was going to end? How do you think he thought? Because look, this wasn't a happy man. I, I really don't believe, you, Brother Buddy can correct me if I'm wrong on this, and I hope you will. I don't believe this is a story about this wild Gadarene man coming to Jesus and getting born again. I really don't. Because I, what I see here is an unhappy man. A man who's unhappy with his present circumstances already. Now, if he were not born again, he would just reprobate out there. He'd probably enjoy some of this crazy, wild stuff he's doing. But he was crying. He had problems within his heart. He was struggling. He was, you know, that's why I tell you this. The, those that we run across in the world who are, who are, overcome by the demons of drugs and the demons of other kinds of addictions don't immediately assume they're not born again children of God as a matter of fact if you see them struggling with it that's probably the clearest evidence there is that they are born again there is a conflict within their hearts because there's no conflict with the natural man the natural man receives not the things of the spirit of God for their foolishness unto him neither can he know them they're spiritually discerned we're told in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 that you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins and you used to walk according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of air of the air and you did all those things that the reprobate do you see <laughs> there was a time when you didn't care this man cared. He was crying. He was in pain. He was in turmoil. How do you think he thought it would end? How do you think he thought it would end? I, I, I got to think with all the crying and the cutting that he was doing that he had no hope. He had no hope. But that's not the end of the story. Because what we're about to see, beginning in verse 6, we're about to see the madman meet the son of man. Now notice this, verse 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And that, that worship, that word worship there can mean, you know, true spiritual worship, but it also can just mean he fell down in front of him. He, he bowed down in that way. I, I, I tend to think that's what he's talking about here, that, that, that this demon that possessed him, that uh, he saw Jesus and he ran and fell down before him. He ran and worshipped him 
and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I want you to notice something about the Son of Man. The first thing I want you to notice about Jesus is his presence. His presence. You know, back in verse 2, it says, uh, When he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Do you think he was there by accident? Do you think he just said, Hey, I'm going to close my eyes and throw a, throw a dart to the map and say, This is where we're going to land next. That's not what I read in chapter 4 and verse 35. He came to his disciples after a long day of teaching and preaching. He said, let us pass over unto the other side. Jesus Christ knew about this man and about where he lived and about his condition. You know why, he knew, why I know he knew it? Because he knew everything. <laughs> he knew everything. He could have said, okay, guys, we're coming up on Gadara here. But, but we don't need to land right here. We need to go a little further down the shore because there's a lot of trouble right here that we're going to run into. Uh, you know, if I, if I knew about the wild Gadarene man and I was the pilot of the ship, I'd be advising those, those fishermen that I was taking over there, say, look, guys, you don't need to go here. Uh, you, might, you might end up having to fight this guy, and you can't fight with him. You can't contend with him. I read about another situation in Jesus' ministry in John chapter 4 where it's said of him in verse 4, he must needs go through Samaria. You know why he must needs go through Samaria in that occasion? Because he had an appointment with a woman at a well. Beloved, I believe he had an appointment with a wild Gadarene man right here. Did you know that Jesus is always in the right place at the right time? He's never late. You know, that's one thing. I challenge you to read the Gospels and show me one place where Jesus had to hurry up or had to change his direction because he went to the wrong place, or where he came in and said, guys, I'm sorry, I'm running late, but I just got held up. You don't, you don't find something Jesus never, he was never late, and he never had to backtrack. I remember a story about a man named Zacchaeus, a little short fella, climbed up in a sycamore tree. You know what happened? Jesus, Jesus didn't get out there that day. He climbed the tree to see Jesus, but Jesus didn't have to climb the tree to see him. Jesus didn't have to look around and say, Where, I, I was supposed to meet a guy here, Zacchaeus. He's short now. I don't know if I'll see you. I hope I don't miss him. No. When he walked to the place where Zacchaeus was, he stopped and he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down, for today I must, I must uh, be in your house. You know, Jesus is amazing like that. He's always in the right place at just the right time. And I want you to notice his power. I want you to notice his power. Remember, remember what the demons said? What have I to do with thee, thou son of the most high God? Did you know the demons knew who he was better than the Pharisees did? They knew, they knew who he was before all the Pharisees who were learned in the law ever had a clue about what was going on. And this, by the way, this is one of the Jewish designations for God, the son of the most high God. They would have recognized that. And speaking of his power, I want you to look at verse, well, he can, we'll finish reading verse 7. I adjure thee, this is the demon speaking, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Now listen, listen at verse 8. For he said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. 
all of the pagan exorcism rituals of the day involved incantations and magic words and involved the invocation of a higher power. You'll find later when the disciples and, you know, Peter and the others were casting out demons in their ministry after the Lord had ascended back to the, to the, uh, the throne of glory, that they would invoke a higher power. They would invoke the name of Jesus. But I want you to notice that, that in this case, Jesus didn't invoke a higher power because Jesus was the higher power. <laughs> he said, just simply come out of the man. <laughs> Come out of the man. He, he recognized the problem, and he recognized what needed to be done about it, and he didn't ask permission. He didn't cut himself and, and burn incense. He just said, come out of him. And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out. <laughs> Family and friends couldn't help this man. Uh, the, the authorities that were in the area couldn't help. He couldn't even help himself, but Jesus could. Jesus, you know later on what Jesus will say? Later on, Jesus will tell, in this same book, he'll tell these, these disciples, he'll say, with men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You know, that's why we don't have to be so fearful in this, in this really troublesome time. I, I commit to you, I get up in the mornings and I'm like, where are we headed as a nation? Where are we headed as a people? We've got disease, we've got riots, we've got death, we've got destruction going on. We've got up, uh, 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 turmoil out there. Uh, we've got problems all over this world. Where are we headed? Well, I don't know about where we're headed as a nation, but I know where I'm headed as a child of God. And he is the one that has all power. He's not restricted by the coronavirus. He's not restricted by any riot or any de demonstration or any uh, brutality of any kind. He is the one who has all power. And notice that what happened here is that Jesus said in verse 9, What is thy name? And he answered saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. He wasn't just up against one little small demon. He was up against a, a major group here. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And now we get to the pigs. Now we get to the pigs. Now there was nigh there under the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently, violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. <laughs> now, I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but, but we know the story, okay? I, I'm sure if you're a Bible reader of any, uh, of any degree, you know about the story about Jesus sending sending the spirits into the, sending the demons into the pigs, okay? But I want you to put yourself back in that day. You, you don't have to be the wild Gadarene man, but just put yourself as a bystander, as, as looking on. And, and, and know it about the situation. Be, be his daddy, okay? Be this man's daddy for a minute. And, 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 and think about the hopelessness. Think about the sense of helplessness 
that you would have had as, the, as this man's father, that I've done everything I know to do, I've tried all of the worldly helps, and none of them are effective, what is this man going to do? I'm standing here. Have you ever been around a, a hog farm? <laughs> I have. <laughs> you think the chicken eyes will smell bad, okay? I, I, it may, and and I'll, I'll say this too. You know how we are. Uh, we, can, we can get adjusted to anything. You know, I, I could go work in the chicken houses all day, and, and it doesn't bother me, and I come in, and the first thing Sherry does is, is want to put a clothespin on her nose. Ew, you stink. Oh, that's terrible. Well, I don't smell it. You know, I've kind of gotten used to it. It didn't smell that bad to me. But So I'm sure if, you're, if you work in a hog farm situation that you're going to be, uh, at some point, if you live in a hog town, you'll get somewhat adjusted to that smell. Okay, you'll get kind of used to it, but but it's still there, and I can see that the father of this wild man, this wild young man that had no hope according to the world, standing there in that hog town, used to the hogs. The hogs are just you know just sort of down under the radar screen. What in the world is this man going to do to help my son? I've called on everybody I know. I've called on the, the, the sheriffs and the leaders and the, uh, you know, they didn't have probably mental health people in that day, but he, I've called on people in that area that were trying to give social help. I've done everything I know to do. What's this guy going to do? Let's just watch him fail once again. And, and may, well, maybe he's got some chains that are stronger. Maybe he's got some ropes that will bind him. Maybe he's got a place we can send him. You know, when the, the children of Israel went to the banks, got to the banks of the Red Sea, and they had the Egyptian army behind and the Red Sea blocking their way on the front, I'm not even sure what Moses knew was about to happen, but God told Moses, stand still and see the salvation of God. Now, I don't know about Moses. He may have had an inkling about what God had planned to do. We're not told that, but I'm pretty sure very few, if any, of those other Jewish, uh, those other Israelites that were following him had any idea. Is he going to send an army to us? Is he going to rain down fire and brimstone like he did on Sodom and Gomorrah? Maybe that's what he's going to do. But who would have ever thought that he would part the Red Sea? Because if the sea, you know, went back, all of a sudden it'd still be too muddy to cross, right? But they crossed on dry land. <laughs> God has a way of bringing deliverance in ways that we never would have dreamed, that we never would have imagined. In this case, we're going to come back to it in a minute, but I want you to keep this vision of the, of the man standing there wondering, what is he going to do for my son? <clears throat> Notice also the compassion of the Savior. Notice the compassion. Over in verse 19, this young man is now seated with Jesus. And, and he's wanting to go with him. But we get a glimpse here into the, in, into the way the Lord looked at him. And, and by the way, the way the Lord looks at all of us as his children. With what eyes did the Savior look upon this man? Did he look at this man and say, man, I'm afraid of him. He, he's different than me. Did he look at him and say, boy, I'm glad I'm not like him. 
Did he say, come on, boys, let's get out of here. This, we better slip through quickly because this is an uncomfortable situation. And let me say this, too. Before we go any farther, don't you ever be guilty of saying, boy, I'm glad I'm not like him. I'm glad I'm not like this man. And, 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 and not just this wild Gadarene man. In your daily dealings with people out there, don't ever be guilty of saying, boy, I'm so glad I'm not like this one. Now, you may thank the Lord that your circumstances are as well with you as they are, but don't ever put yourself in a position that the Pharisees were putting themselves in where as that one that stood at the front of the synagogue prayed with himself and said, I thank thee, O Lord, that I'm not like these others. I tithe. I show up at church. I do this. I do that. I'm not like that publican. See, it's easy for us to do that, isn't it? It's easy for us to say, boy, oh, I'm just so glad I'm not like him. Let's move on before he rubs off on us. <laughs> But Jesus didn't do that. See, the difference between us and this wild gathering man is really just one of degree. That's all it is. It's, it's, it's kind of like it's, it's quantity, not quality. We're made of the same quality as a wild gathering man. We just don't have as much of what he had, <laughs> okay? If you're walking around in your right mind, that just means that you're just not it. You've got the same potential, the same problems. But you just don't have it as bad. Uh, you're not experiencing the, the symptoms as bad, okay? I think about the, the, the situation that we're, one of, one of which we're going to read about in the next couple of Sundays is, uh, if, if we continue on this path, is the idea of this, these folks that have died. You remember the people that Jesus raised from the dead? <clears throat> you know, there's, there's one that's coming up here, a little, little girl, that, uh, that when Jesus got to her house, she had just died. And I've seen that. I've been in the... I've been in the room when, when loved ones passed away and they just died and they just look like they're sleeping. They don't look any different, really. They don't look any worse. It's not anything that makes you uh, turn up your nose and that sort of thing. It doesn't, but but I've, also, I've also read about in here a man named Lazarus who had been dead four days and according to his own family, the decomposition process had taken such a toll that he stinketh, okay? I've, in my job, I've, I've experienced that kind of situation where I've, I've been at the scene where someone who had just died, who was murdered, had just died. I've been at the scene of someone who was found uh, months later. And, and there's a marked difference in the conditions of the bodies, okay? <clears throat> but there's no difference in the condition of death. Both are equally dead, Okay. One of them just is exhibiting more signs of it than the other. You know that's where we are? Did you know that you and, you and I and the wild gathering man are exactly the same? We, are, we experience the exact same condition of depravity, the condition of deadness in our natural man, spiritual, spiritual deadness. He just was exhibiting more signs of it than you and I are. But we're both dead in our natural selves, you see. Notice, though, what Jesus did look upon him with. He looked upon him with compassion. It's in verse 19, Jesus suffered him not. And he's talking about, we'll get to that in a minute. He said, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. The word compassion simply means to, to succor one who is seeking aid or who is afflicted. 
It's the word um, that we get, it's a big word I learned in law school, but it's a, it's a technical legal word to describe charitable organizations. Uh, Eleomocenary organizations is what they're known under the law. And that means they are out there to help people. They're, they're compassionate organizations that do good things for people. And that's the word eleomocenary comes from this Greek word here that, that, that is described as compassion, translated compassion. How divinely amazing that the Son of Man had such compassion on this madman. <laughs> well, let me just kind of bring this all to a close. Remember what I said about <clears throat> being there that day? What is Jesus going to do? What is he going to do that's different? What is he going to do that hadn't already been done. Well, God has a way of bringing deliverance in ways we never dreamed, okay? And, and in ways that give him the total credit for it. So the daddy or the friends are standing there watching this situation, and this madman has come to Jesus, and suddenly he's talking to Jesus. I'm sure they'd tried to talk to him before, but the, he's listening to Jesus, and Jesus says, come out of the man. And, they, and then he says, here's where you're going to go. And, and all of a sudden, this, these swine, this, these 2,000 pigs that were over here that stank, that were uh, oinking up the place, no doubt, making noises that they were, getting, they were used to and it just sort of flew under the radar screen. All of a sudden, uh, those swine were possessed with those devils and ran down into the sea and were drowned. <laughs> Jesus resolved the problem in a way nobody expected. <laughs> and notice what happened to this, this madman. This madman who met the Son of Man became a new man. Notice he was in a new place. Verse 15, they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting. He was sitting there with Jesus. And it said, and he had, he not only was in a new place, he had new clothes. He said he had on clothes. He was sitting and clothed and in his right mind. He was, had a new way of thinking. He, had a, he was in a new place with new clothing, thinking in a new way. <laughs> and I'll tell you, beloved, he had a new focus. Look at verse 18. When he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. He, he wasn't interested in being around people. He was by himself in the tombs and in the mountains cutting himself and crying out. He couldn't be bound with chains. He couldn't be bound by men. And now this man who was the ultimate loner, the one who had nothing to do with anybody else, he's in his right mind. He's focused upon something brand new. He wants to be with Jesus. <laughs> and I want you to notice what Jesus told him. He said, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. Now, this isn't Jesus being ugly to him. This is just Jesus focusing him. You ever notice sometimes, maybe think back to your own experience when you were newly converted? I always think about the, uh, <laughs> the movie The Three Amigos. Uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, there's a point in that movie, if you know the movie at all, it's uh, Chevy Chase, uh, Steve Martin, and Martin Short, and they're, they're going down under a mistaken belief they're going to put on a show down in some old Mexican town, and it turns out the people actually think that they're going to deliver them from this bad guy, 
And so through a course of some funny mess-ups, eventually they figure out what they're expected to do and, and finally decide to do it. They decide they're going to deliver it. And, and, and there's a scene there where they decide, they get all excited, we're going we're gonna to do this. Yeah, we're going to do this. Come on, let's go. And they jump on their horses and they ride off into the, and the scene goes dark. And then the scene comes back up, and they're leading their horses back, saying, you reckon how far we went before we realized we didn't know where we were going? And I've always thought about that as like new converts sometimes to, to, the, to, the, to Christianity, new converts to the church sometimes are so zealous and so excited, and, 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 but they don't know where they're going. <laughs> they need some direction. You know, that was me. I needed some direction in my life. And by the way, nowadays, the direction comes from the Word of God because this is what's telling us, telling us what Jesus wants us to do. In that day, Jesus had to give this man a little direction. He was, he was a new convert. He was zealous. He was excited, and he wanted to go with them. But he said, no, here's what you do. You don't have to go off to Africa. I mean, there's nothing wrong with going to Africa. Don't get me wrong. Nothing wrong with going out, you know, anywhere the Lord leads you to go. In fact, you should go wherever the Lord leads you. If the Lord leads you to go to, to, to Alaska, Africa, anywhere you can think of, go, okay? But sometimes we neglect the most important field of ministry that there is, he said, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. Sometimes I forget that. I've been praying lately that the Lord would remind me daily about that. You know, it's harder sometimes to minister to your friends, isn't it? It's, it's harder to go to somebody you've known for a long time and say, hey, let me tell you about what the Lord has done for, for his people. It's hard to do that sometimes. But I've been praying that the Lord would just open doors. You know, he's done that over the past couple of weeks even. I've, I've gotten an opportunity to talk to four or five people that, that I was just praying that the Lord would give me an opportunity to talk to. And I've gotten an opportunity to do that. He said, go home to thy friends. He said, here's what you need to do in your ministry. Go home to your friends and tell them. Tell them. Talk to them. Live it certainly. That's the best sermon you'll ever have is the way you live. But be really ready when the time comes to give them an answer about the hope that lies within you. And that means you've got to stay in the word, beloved. But he said, he said, you go home and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. And he went home and went back to work and got him a job and never heard of him again, right? Nope. Look at what he did. Verse 20, he departed and began to publish in Decapolis, how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. He began to tell people about what Jesus had done. He began to do exactly what the Lord had said to do. And I'm sure it wasn't comfortable to start with. I'm sure it wasn't easy initially. You know, he had to, I bet there were people that ran from him. <laughs> he came walking up to them, and they saw him coming. They said, get out of here. That's the wild Gadarene man, you know. He may have had to chase some people down just to tell them what Jesus had done. Now, I'm not telling you you've got to chase folks down to tell them about Jesus, but I'll tell you this, if you'll pray that the Lord will give you opportunities, he will open doors for you. How do you know that, preacher? Because he's done it for me. He tells us in his word, and he's done it for me. Now, let's get back to the, let's get back to the pig story, okay? Remember how we started this out? 
Think about this wild Gadarene man who's been made a new man by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's been placed in a situation where now he can live a normal life. I don't know what happened. I'm, I'm, I, this is the part of the message that is my speculation, so you can take it or leave it, okay? But let's just imagine for a minute that this wild Gadarene man, after he was, uh, he was saved from the demon, he began to live a life where he ends up getting married and having children. And one day, he's this 70 to 80-year-old grandfather. And children say, Granddaddy, tell me the pig story. Because you know he told them. He wasn't keeping it to himself. He was publishing it. He told the pig story wherever he could go. He said, he was telling the folks, let me, let me explain where I came from. I was in the tombs and I couldn't be bound. And I was a wild man and I was suffering and I was crying daily. I was helpless and hopeless. And one day this man came along and when I went up to him, these demons sort of took over. But I was in the background. I was worried. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Is he going to bind me again? Is he going to put chain but you know what he did he didn't do anything I expected he just said come out go in the pigs and that whole group of pigs went flying down the hillside and drowned down there with those demons in them <laughs> that's my pig story <laughs> that's what he, and though I can just hear those grandchildren said granddaddy tell me the pig story again tell me about when the Lord delivered you when the Lord did things that you never expected in your life beloved I want to ask you this morning do you have a pig story I do I've got a pig story. I've got a bunch of them through my life, but I got one really good one. I got one really great one. See, there was a time when I was in the tombs, I was dead in trespasses and in sins. There was a time when I had no inclination toward God. There was a time when I had no ability to, to, to even reach and attain unto the Lord. But you know what he did? He came down in the most amazing way possible and he touched my heart and he changed my heart. I didn't ask him to because I didn't want him to. I didn't call on him because I didn't know to call on him. But beloved, he changed my heart from an old stony heart and he put a heart of flesh inside of me I thought it would take all kinds of efforts on my part I thought it would take the church I thought it would take the preacher but it didn't take anything but the spirit of God coming down and he, he, he changed me from that old man into a new man and I still struggle yes with the old man because he didn't remove it completely but there's a warfare now that I'm glad to engage in because I have a new focus I have a new mind, I'm a new heart. And he did it in a way that nobody expected. <clears throat> Doesn't the world, I mean, that's, most religions of the world give you a, give you a path to follow in order to, to reach that kind of deliverance. But you know what the Bible tells us? That he came down to save his people from their sins. And he did that. Now, I've gotten more pig stories than that. That's, that's the best one, though. I've also got a pig story about how he ended up getting me here to Zion Primitive Baptist Church, and I think probably all of us have that story. Okay? I sure didn't expect it, Brother Mackey. In fact, I was against it most of the time. And the Lord, I said, you've got to be kidding. I can, I, can I can seriously sit here and tell you there was a time when I said, you've got to be kidding me. Zion Primitive Baptist Church never would have dreamed it but you know what I'm so glad he's that way I'm so thankful 
I'm so thankful that, like this wild Gadarene man, I've got a pig story to tell you. <laughs> what a glorious day. What a glo I know Aunt Lorraine's got one to tell you. I don't think she expected. I know this. That little lady didn't expect to be sitting in a building like this about 10 or 15 years ago. I got a sneaking suspicion none of us did either. Now, the building's not the church, but the building is a blessing the Lord's given to us as a church. You got a pig story? I do. I'm so thankful. <laughs> and one day I can't wait to sit down with this wild Gadarene man. We're going to talk about pigs in heaven. <laughs> May the Lord add his blessings to his word. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.